Welcome to The Drum Shuffle, a podcast offering insights, perspectives, and conversations for drummers. I'm your host, Jamie Eads. How's it going out there, everybody? Welcome to the Drum Shuffle. Jamie Eads joining you as I do each and every week. Hey, we're a little bit off of our normal schedule here, and this will not be a numbered episode. This is just a little special bonus episode. Um, Talking to our good friend, great friend of the show, uh, and a great friend to me personally, Kevin Charney. Um, Kevin has a really cool project coming up and it's a little bit time dependent. So I wanted to get this out to you guys today. Uh, and we're going to talk to him uh, about a new radio show that he's doing on a really cool streaming um, uh, radio service. Uh, so it's always good to catch up with folks. And, you know, this is kind of a meandering conversation. This is what happens when I talk to uh, good friends like Kevin. Um, we go down some rabbit holes and I thought it was actually really cool and I wanted to share it with everybody. So uh, I hope you'll enjoy this. Please help me welcome back to the drum shuffle, our good friend, Kevin Charney. Kevin Charney, my brother from another mother. How are you, sir? I am doing well. Hanging tight here in uh, COVID times. Yeah, well, welcome to the COVID times. That's exactly right. <laughs> you know, when when this stuff first started, you know, back in March, you know, I, I was saying, you know, hope everybody's staying safe and healthy. This will be over with pretty soon. We can get back to, <laughs> to live music. What a liar I am, huh? <laughs> no, I think I think we've all been turned into liars. One way or the other, I think we are all guilty of thinking like this couldn't possibly last more than a few weeks, maybe a month, (laughs) and we'll be back to normal life. Nah, twenty twenty is a wash. Yeah. Well, I mean, twenty twenty is um, you know you've seen all the internet memes. You know, of course we have murder hornets and you know wildfires, (laughs) and I mean, what else would twenty twenty do? You know, if if I saw a news headline that said, you know, dragons attack New York City, I'd be like, of course they did. You know, why wouldn't they? You know, exactly. Um, I'll tell you one of my favorite memes was, I don't know if you saw it. Somebody at a bar ordering some drinks and they said, I'll have a Corona and two hurricanes. And the bartender says that would be $20 and 20 cents. <laughs> so true, man. So true. <laughs> Well, so, so what's going on in your world right now, man? Are you, um, I mean, obviously there's no gigs. There's probably not a whole lot of recording going on. You know, what are you doing to keep yourself busy? I, you know, we'll talk about your new project in just a minute, but as far as drumming is concerned, what do you have going on? Well, um, since the last time we chatted, I did decide to come off of the road full time with uh, Jesse Dayton. Um, it just got to a point when your kid gets a certain age, it's hard to kind of always be away and, uh, you definitely don't want to be, you know, remembered as daddy wasn't there. Um, so I kind of made the decision to, um, to come off the road early last year and, um, focused a lot on kind of learning a new trade at home so I could be home more um, and focusing on my other band Soda Jerk because last year was actually our 20 year anniversary so um, we had some recording there and some special anniversary shows in Pittsburgh Uh, but I still do some things with Jesse from time to time earlier this year I did the Outlaw Country Cruise again which was the fifth time we did it Um, and there was plans for an Australian tour, which was supposed to happen last January. Um, then that got bumped because of all the wildfires and stuff going on in Australia that got moved to July. And then that got bumped to November and now it's bumped to next spring. So hopefully someday I'll get to go to Australia <laughs> and Jesse, but we'll see uh, how COVID decides to work with us on yeah. that. So yeah. there's, there still is, stuff with Jesse. Um, there's been talk about doing some recording soon, possibly. Um, but we'll just have to see. I've done a handful of gigs locally 
um, in the COVID times, a lot of private parties and, and things like that. But have you yeah, done playing is, uh, is, is tough these days. It is. Have you done any of the, the drive-in kind of drive-in type shows? Did, I have not done any of the drive-in ones, but I okay. did, uh, I played a little like, like live stream from somebody's house. Um, a singer that I, I do some local cover gigs with had started doing acoustic shows from his house and he, he kind of put it off for a little while because everybody kind of wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. And he, he wasn't bowled over by the quality, but he does videography for a living. So he had all this equipment. And so he set up his house pretty sweet. And finally he's like, all right, I'll give this a try. And he, his first show, he ended up making like $1,500 in tips. Wow. That's, yeah, that's incredible. So the drummer actually got paid. That's good, man. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So he had me come over once. This is like a little special, like, you know, do it as a duo thing. So that was like the first gig back, but, yeah. but you know, I live in Georgia where Brian Kemp decided that, you know, open masks, masks are for silly people. And, uh, so a lot of, a lot of venues have opened up at, you know, a limited capacity. And, uh, so I have done a few gigs here and there, so that's right. nice, but, yeah. but there hasn't been any Jesse Dayton gigs since the outlaw cruise, which, um, docked in February. So, yeah, well, yeah. And I mean, I think that's the case for, you know, for everybody, but local artists. I mean, I don't think anybody's, you know, doing any kind of traveling shows, anything like that. I mean, I did see the other day, um, you know, our, our buddy, Chad Gamble from Jason Isbell in the 400 unit, they're doing a drive-in show in October. I did see that. So, um, I think people are trying to figure out how do we get back into this and be safe. You know, I mean, nobody wants to be the guy that puts on a show and makes 2000 people sick. Right. Well, they didn't seem to mind so much at Sturgis. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, it was the wild, wild west up there. Apparently. Yeah, but, but man, that was smash mouth. I mean, come on. Those yeah, guys, those guys don't care. Yeah, <laughs> they don't, you care. know, you know, they're, I mean, it got them some press. Yeah. Good for smash mouth, I guess. You know, know, I I mean, I think we've, uh, you know, this is not a political show, but it's such a polarizing thing. You know, it's it's good press for them on one hand and horrible press on the other side of the aisle. You you know what I mean? It's like I just I would have a hard time putting myself in the position where half of my fan base was like, hell yes. And the other half was like, I'm so disappointed in you. Does that make sense? Yeah, but it's Smash Mouth. Well, yeah, you say <laughs> so good. Very, and, you know, and you know that you know you know the saying that uh, any press is good press. Yeah. Well, it's I mean, been many years since All Star was released. So yeah, that's I, that's very true, man. That's very true. And <laughs> you, you know, I mean, I there are venues that are known for you know the the following statement: you're either on your way up or your way down when you play here, right? I, like we don't get anybody at the peak. You're either on your way up the ladder or on your way down the ladder. And, and, you know, I'm not trying to poke fun at anybody. I'm just saying, you know, I hope the payday was worth the fallout. That's all I'm getting at. Yeah, I'm sure. And, and I mean, there was a lot more bands there than smash about. There was many, many bands played up yeah, there. So, yeah. um, I think they kind of, it may have caught a little too much grief. It's just like, I think, I don't know, a few weeks or a month before that, I think Great White played in what, like North Dakota or somewhere? Yes, they did. Yeah. And they got a lot of flack too. And it was just, you know, up, up in the Dakotas, it's not so stringent, you know, different parts of the, of the country yeah. are, don't, don't have the, the, the problems that we have in some other States. Yeah. So for sure. if, if, if the laws in that state are looser because of that, then who would begrudge somebody from making a little money and doing the stuff they love. So, yeah. Well, I, I, and look, everybody's got to make a living and, and, you know, I, I'm not going to obviously name names, but you know, I've got friends that went from playing, you know, 250 shows a year to now working, you know, like driving Uber eats to make ends meet. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's tough times. It's, you know, the arts are dying in front of our eyes and, you know, I don't know that anybody can do anything about it except hope. 
you, you know, at this point. So pretty much. Yeah. I, I, um, we, I don't think that people understand how many lives exactly are impacted, um, from music drying up. It's not just the artists. It's, yeah. it's the people on the crew, the people who sell t-shirts, it's the security guy at the door. It's the bartenders, it's the wait staff, like everybody's affected at domino. So it's, it's not just bands and sure there's bands like the Foo Fighters that can afford to take a couple years off. Yeah. But there's other bands that I know of that toured almost relentlessly. And, you know, I, I wonder what they're doing right now because, yeah. you know, as long as I've known them, that's all they've ever done. Yeah. Well, and, I, I mean, we, we had this conversation, you know, you and I, as we were just kind of catching up, you know, I mean, you mentioned the Foo Fighters, a band like them, you know, uh, on show day, you know, their touring party is like 300 people. Like they, they employ 300 people to, to go around with them when they're out on tour. It's a lot. And then there's a couple hundred local crew guys that show up to help out on show day. And then all the security folks and the beer vendors and, you know, the guys that direct traffic in and out of the venue. It's, you know, you're talking about thousands of people per day, per show missed that missed out on a paycheck in the gig economy, you know, and um, I, I just don't think we're talking about that enough. I agree. I mean, I, I feel fortunate because my go-to when I was not touring, if I was off the road, then I would lean back on, you know, like we talked about last time, the, the backline work, um, which is kind of like a 1099 gig. So I would always be like, Oh, well, I'm off the road for a few weeks or a month or whatever. I'll just, you know, let these guys know I'm in town if they need me to do some work or pack some gear or whatever. That was always my go-to way of making money. So in a way, I feel really fortunate that I decided to get off the road when I did and learning a new trade to make a living. Um, otherwise, I, I would have been in a similar boat because I would have been off the road and my backup plan wouldn't have been working either. So, you know, all those, those guys are affected too. all the yeah. backline people, the shows go away. The backline work goes away. Mm -hmm. So, you know, all of those guys that I, I'm friends with are, are all scrambling around trying to find something too, because they've all been pretty much furloughed. Yeah. Well, so, you, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's tough for sure. So you mentioned your new trade. How, how is male exotic dancing these days? <laughs> well, <laughs> You got to find the places that are into dad bods. I'm it's kind of a specialty thing. Surely oh. anybody who knows anything about Atlanta knows about the Claremont Lounge <laughs> and the legend of Claremont Lounge. I could not resist getting that. You pitched that one underhanded. I had to swing, man. I just had to. It was to. called a softball. Yeah. Yes, that was definitely a softball. Oh, man. You know. I would have been disappointed if you didn't go for it. <laughs> I mean, I haven't lost it like this on this show in a long time. It's <laughs> that's so funny. Um, well, awesome, man. So enough talk about COVID. I know you have instituted a you know a curfew on COVID well, talk. Um, well, there's still a half hour before the curfew's up. So if there's something else you need to talk about, get it in now because nine o'clock is my cutoff. <laughs> for any discussion about COVID. <laughs> so that's an inside joke for the listeners. They'll <laughs> never get that one. But um, all joking aside, man, you do have something really cool coming up that, that you know, that I want to plug. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you would call me a content creator or, you know, a, a media. I, I mean, I don't know where I fall with this show. Right. I mean, I, it's just a, a podcast about drumming and, and conversations for drummers is the way I've always done it. But, you know, some people say, hey, man, you're you know, I love your content. You're a great content creator. And I think that's wonderful. But, you know, I, I've never seen myself through that lens. But you're getting ready to to be, you know, for lack of a better term, a content creator as well in the form of a really cool streaming radio show. So you're going to be a, a disc jockey. Is that, is that fair to say? It is, it is fair to say. And it's, it's nothing that I've ever thought about doing, saw myself doing, never thought like I had a quote unquote radio voice. 
Um, but yeah. Oh, and you know, maybe it's just uh, part of the times an opportunity kind of presented itself and, um, and, it, and it's, I guess I should just explain. Uh, so Jesse Dayton, who I, you know, I've toured with for the last several years, um, he managed to get his own radio show on a uh, streaming platform. The, the station's called Gimme Country. Um, so he got his own show once a week on Gimme Country, and it went like gangbusters and did so well, they gave him his own channel. So if you were to go download the Gimme Country app and then open it up, you'll see two selections. There's Country One, and then there's the Jesse Dayton station, and um, which he thought was really cool, and then quickly realized he has 24 hours a day of content <laughs> to try to fill up. That's, that's a big that's that's a big undertaking. I mean, you, I mean, I have so many questions. First of all, who thought giving Jesse Dayton his own radio channel was a good idea? First of all, I'll tell you though, if, if you've ever met Jesse or talked to him or read anything about him, the guy is a master at spinning stories and, and oh yeah. And so being a DJ and he has that really baritone voice, so he's pretty much a natural at it. If you, if you listen to his, like his live show, quote unquote, not technically live, but, um, he's really, really good at it. And I think it really connected with a lot of people. So yeah. somewhere somebody was like, this is going really well. Let's just give him his own station, which like I said, sounds great on paper. And then you realize what's involved. So, you know, he started reaching out to people to try to fill up, you know, some content and, you know, hitting up the two guys in his band um, the bass player is going to has already started his own uh, rockabilly show, um, and he's he's a few episodes in already. So when I heard about that, I was like, "Well, you know, if you need to fill some time, <laughs> what about I'm old like, Kev I, here? <laughs> I'm like, Throw Kevin a bone." I was like, "You know, I uh, my my background in country music has predominantly been in the alt country realm. You know, that wonderful period in the '90s that I know you know about too." Yeah, man. Um, I've always kind of found that whole scene fascinating. And so I was just like, man, I can kind of put together, you know, an hour's worth of music for you to run thinking that he would just need like some, here's a playlist. Um, <laughs> so, you know, he was like, yeah, sure. I'll, you know, I'll hit up the, the bosses about it and see what they think. And I'm, you know, I'm like, There's no way there. We're going to, they don't know who the hell I am at all. And he got back to me. He's like, okay, they, they want it to be a two hour show and they want you to go ahead. <laughs> so here's how you do it. You need 30 songs. You need to do six spoken breaks and like all this stuff is, whoa, you know, I just, this is not, um, not what I was expecting at all. So, but I was like, all right, you know, I'll give it a try. I'm like, you know, probably be one show and they're probably not going to like move on with it. it basically it's just, one show, see how it goes. And if they like it, they'll go on, you know, to do a regular thing. So, yeah, I finished the show. It's kind of a, an all country one one type of show. Um, so finished it, kind of sent it in and it's, and it's going to be airing on the 15th of this month, but, uh, they've already decided to go ahead. They're not waiting to see how it does. They've, they've already decided to go ahead with a weekly show. So, oh, okay, cool, man. That's, that's awesome. So now all of a sudden I'm now I have to come up with this every week. Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> Hey man, welcome to the world of content creation, right? <laughs> yeah, and now bringing the, st the, the story full circle, I'm a content creator. Yeah, there you go. So, you know, like I said earlier, you're married to it now, you know, the only reason I, I have a, a, a podcast is because I had a microphone and I quit drinking beer and stopped playing in the bars. You know what I mean? It was like, well, I haven't, I haven't stopped drinking beer though. Yeah. You know, like, well, so. <laughs> some days I question the decision, not really, but um, I, I, I have done many of the, uh, the, the, the little, in between bits that I have to record while drinking beer. So I, I feel like it, it lends an air of authenticity. For sure. For sure, man. So. Well, you know, I mean, I just <laughs> never thought that this would really catch on. I didn't know if anybody would listen to the drum shuffle. You know what I mean? And I, I mean, I'm humbled by it and I'm not complaining at all. Don't get me wrong, but you know, I've got a lot of people that listen now and I'm, I'm so thankful for that you know, this isn't a, a, an income stream at all. You know, I mean, I get paid nothing to do this and I don't, you know, I don't really sell ads or any of that stuff. Um, but, you know, I feel a responsibility to my listeners 
to create the best show that I possibly can every week. And, sure. you know, I, th- I think you will find that, you know, you're like, wow, this is a lot of work. But I, I think what you'll find is as you do it, man, this is really fun. This is rewarding. I like doing this. Uh, d- does that make sense? Yeah, and I and I think especially in these these times that we're in right now, where creatively some of us are a little stifled because we can't play our drums or go record or you know do some of the stuff that we kind of took for granted. So this does give a little bit of a creative outlet and um, gets me really kind of like immersed in into music again because now I have to like really go and do some research and yeah. listen to some other stuff that maybe I didn't listen to so much back in the day. I mean, I've got my stalwart all country bands that I certainly love to listen to, but um, I need to go a little deeper now to kind of fill it out. I've already kind of discovered some bands that I've always heard of, but you know, didn't really pay too much attention to at the time. So yeah. already there, that's, that's kind of cool. And, and surprisingly, as much as I kind of like the first time I went to record some, some of the spoken parts and I was just like, man, I, I, I'm not a DJ. I do not, this isn't my personality. It actually went pretty naturally. I was surprised at how easy it was honestly to, to do it. So I think that, yeah, you'll hit a kind of like a workflow on it. And that as long as I don't let myself get too far behind, you know, yeah. we'll see, see once COVID is, is a thing of the past, how, how it'll fit in with life. But for right now, it's, it's certainly something different and interesting and something I never thought about doing ever. I, I you know, but you know, you always know those guys in college that worked at the college station. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Know, at like 2 a.m. or whatever. I was never one of those guys. Although I was done, I've done interviews on the radio. That's about as close as it ever got. Yeah. So, so this, this should be an interesting experiment at the very least. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I, and I think the other cool thing about that is, you, you know, as a, an avid music listener, I have been my whole life. Sometimes I get in, into, I don't know, I get tunnel vision on, on something and it's like, you know, I'm only focused on this and I forget to listen to some of my favorite records or explore new music or, you know what I mean? You just kind of get in a, a rut listening, so to speak. And what I've found sure. is, you know, when you jump in the car, instead of playing your favorite CD, maybe you should just put it on, you know, Outlaw Country. I like Outlaw Country a lot on on Satellite or... Sure. Um, you know, just to hear some of the new stuff. And what I have found is the older I get, um, you know, some stuff that I was like a hard pass on when I was 25 years old, I'm like, why did I not like this? Jesus, this is awesome. (laughs) And I know, and I know you felt that before. So being able to reconnect with a genre of music like alt country or, you know, Americana, whatever you want to call it. And to get folks up to speed, you know, you did the 101 show already, you know, Uncle Tupelo, Sunvolt, Wilco, all, you know, the, the founding fathers, uh, right. J, Jayhawks, all that stuff. Now you can start branching off and say, well, you know, here's a, a version that's, you know, uh, Red Dirt Country or, or whatever you want to do. And I think it will be really rewarding to you to kind of go back through all those catalogs, Right. Yeah. And it's already, you know, I've already seen that a bit. And yeah, that's, I I purposely structured this first show to kind of like, I started with, it's very kind of like linear in a way of, I started with some of those bands that kind of predated the official alt country genre, you know, like Jason and the Scorchers and Steve Earle and, um, you know, when X kind of took that rooty kind of turn in the late eighties. And so kind of starting there, I, I really, I, the first song I play is Grant Parsons because I've always, you know, I, I've heard him referred to and I agree is kind of like the godfather of the all country movement because he really kind of combined that rock and roll aspect with, with the twangy aspect. Um, and then kind of into those, you know, the four, the, the founding fathers, your uncle Tupelo. I think the first three I play is uncle Tupelo, Wilco and Sunbolt because that's yeah. the Holy Trinity. Right. Yep. Um, and then kind of getting deeper. And then I ended, you know, with a bunch of songs from newer bands that I, you know, you see that all country spirit in because 
all country isn't a term anybody really uses anymore. It's, 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 you know, Americana has become the term that just kind of gobbled up all those little small kind of independent little genres that branched out in the nineties. I mean, Jesus, the bands that were the all country forefathers didn't want that label. Yeah. I think that's part of why, and I even talk about it on the show, I think it's part of why it fell apart. I mean, everybody was expecting that to be the next big thing. Yeah. Like I remember in the 90s where it was just like, this was going to be the next big wave of music. And all of those bands couldn't get away from the, the label quickly enough. Yeah. You know, they just, I think they felt kind of tied down by it because the common thread of all those bands was really that there was no common thread. It was, it was kind of like a real kind of amorphous. <laughs> it wasn't like, you know, the, the metal scene of the late eighties where it was pretty much every band kind of had a similar sound. <laughs> like there was, it's definitely like, there's even some bands where I'm like, do I call this all country? You know, like for instance, like BR five, four, nine, they're really kind of traditional sounding band. Yeah. But there's an attitude in, in their, their lyrics and their, approach that kind of that lends that alt part to it so it's 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 the charm of the scene that made it so hard to pin down but as soon as there was a label for it yeah yeah, everybody couldn't get away fast enough i actually had a really great conversation with ken from the old 97s on the outlaw country because i'm i'm such a fan of the old 97s and have been since i heard too far to care and probably my, my all time, one of my all time favorite bands for sure. And, and I even talk about this too. How many bands can you think of that have been going 27 years? This is their 27th year. They just put out their 12th record. Never anybody left the band. Nobody new came into the band. Never a lineup change. And those guys are all still really friendly with each other. <laughs> and I was just like, I mean, you can't, you yeah. can probably count on one hand how many bands, you know, it's, ZZ Top, U2, yeah. being like the big examples of bands that have actually survived that. But it's the same band. It's the same group of guys. And they're all really unique and different in their own way. But the, the, you know, the pairing of them works. But I had a chance to really sit down with Ken as a guitar player. And, and I got to flat out ask him, I'm like, what did you guys think of the all-country label? And he looked at me, he was like, fucking hated it. Like he just, <laughs> they, they hated it. Well, it's so, kind of, it's, but I mean, isn't it kind of like, um, and not to interrupt, but, you know, in the 70s, you know, Skinner and the Allman Brothers and Marshall Tucker, they were all Southern rock, the, you know, the outlaws. Right. And none of those guys wanted to be a Southern rock band. They were like, no, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're just a rock band from the South. But right. they couldn't outrun the label. And, you know, I mean, think about some of the bands you mentioned, you know, late 80s, you know, hard rock and heavy metal. You know, people will say, oh, it's a hair band, you know, bands like, you know, Cinderella, for example, horrible name. They had a horrible image. You know, they teased up their hair, put them in leather pants and all that nonsense. But man, those guys were nothing like anybody else. They were a blues band, you you know, So, but they couldn't outrun what the label wanted to present them as and, and the actual genre that they got slapped with. And I'll, 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 I'll give you another example of something that I, and I toy with the idea of putting them into the show. You take a band like the gin blossoms. If you listen to new miserable experience, that's an old country record, man. Sure it is. They were totally, no, you're alt rock, you know, it's alternative rock, whatever that meant at the time. Um, but you know, you look at them and you listen to them like, that's like an all country record to me. hundred percent. That's, that's what it sounds like. They're just a rootsy rock band. hundred percent. So that certainly was out there, but I mean, to me, the all country scene was basically the next generation of the outlaw movement in the seventies. Yeah. So in the sixties, Nashville had that, you know, with all the orchestras and that real slick kind of polished production. And the, the original outlaw guys, you know, Willie and Merle and Waylon and all those guys basically bucked that idea and said, F it, I'm just going to go back to Texas and do what I want to do. And, you know, in the eighties with the advent of urban cowboy and, and all that, that, that begat, you know, your Garth Brooks and, 
Alan Jackson's of the world where, you know, country, once again, that national country got slick and polished. And yeah. I think the, the alt country movement was in much the same way, a reaction against that. Yeah. I, I um, mean, I, I think you're spot on, you know, I keep waiting for the reaction to today's modern country and, and it's, and it's going to have teeth, man. I'm just you know, <laughs> telling you right now. that whole bro country thing that's going on these days. Like it's, it's funny to me that if, now if you go back and listen to a Garth Brooks song, it doesn't seem so bad because compared <laughs> to like what's coming out nowadays, you know, it seems very authentic. Yeah. It seems very country compared to, you know, that whole, not to disparage any music that anybody likes, but the whole like bro country trope of the dirt roads and pickups and beer and cutoff jeans. And yeah. that whole thing is just mind numbingly bad to well, me. It, it, it is. And, but you know what? I never blame the artist ever. And, and I'll tell you why I don't blame the artist, right? If I were in their shoes, you know, let's say I'm a 23 year old kid with a really good voice and they say, hey, we're going to dress you up like this. We're going to give you this song to sing. We're going to shoot a really slick video. Guarantee you it'll be a top 10 country song. Wouldn't you do it? Sure. No matter, no matter, no matter, no matter whether you liked it or not. So I don't ever blame the artist. It's the, the friggin machinery of nashville oh, yeah oh, you know yeah. that, that it's, and it's like the the 80s you know i hate the term but the hair bands you know all the big labels figured out man <clears throat> release a party song and then a ballad then the power ballad <laughs> then the power ballad and let's throw as much reverb at it as the tape will hold right and yep. you know some shredding guitarist a really good drummer and a pretty lead singer and it will sell. It'll be a platinum record, guaranteed. Yeah, and, and it, was a, it became a formula. It was. Like most scenes do. And it was a slam dunk every time for like 10 years. You know, I mean, it, yeah. it really was. And it was, it was the, uh, it's, you're, they were on the gravy train with biscuit wheels, basically, <laughs> until the wheels came off. That's right. And I mean, I remember watching Headbangers Ball, uh, you know, as a young man. And they were like, here's a new band called Pearl Jam. And I was like, oh, cool, you know? Something different, yeah. S something different? Yeah, I, I, I was watching Headbangers Ball when Pearl Jam was on, and that the time Nirvana came on, and Kurt was wearing that big, crazy yellow dress thing. Um, you know, it's, I mean, look at that first Alice in Chains record. They were basically a metal band. Soundgarden was a metal band. Yeah. They were all on Headbangers Ball all the time. I remember the first video that came out from Alice in Chains, they had a double-kick drum kit. and Yep. Um, the one dude was wearing a motorhead shirt. So it's like, it's weird, but it was the same thing. It became a popular thing. And then came all the kind of copy bands. The formula started Yep. and you know, it's, it's cyclical with all that stuff. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, all country kind of fizzled out before that could happen. And that's what yeah. I truly find fascinating about it. Cause it's one of the genres that never got overexposed. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, it's I, kind of like this little nugget that, kind of flew under the radar and now you have your Americana and, and all that, but it doesn't have kind of the grit that, that those original all country bands had. It's, it's, it's a little more smoother and a little more singer songwriter y for lack of a better term. No, no, no. I, I these days totally follow you, but it, and I think a lot of people just never found it. You know what I mean? Like if you, I, you know, I tried to explain to somebody about No Depression magazine once and they were like, what are you talking about? Like they, they just never hit the radar. And I was like, yeah, I mean, it was a real thing for a long time. And it sure was. And actually, surprisingly, No Depression has gone back into print. I didn't realize that. Really? Until I was doing this research for this show. And I pulled out a bunch of my old No Depression magazines to kind of start searching through and looking for some deeper cuts. And, um, cause they had gone all digital a long time ago, Yeah, but, um, yeah, they've, they've started printing again, I think quarterly. That's amazing. Well, yeah, we, we definitely went down a rabbit hole there, Kev. Um, <laughs> so I, let, let's do this. If we've still got anybody left listening to us, you know, if they're still awake, tell they're me like, where's the drum talk yet. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, well, we, sorry guys, we're not talking drums today. By golly, we're we're just two drummers talking music. Um, the show premieres on Tuesday the fifteenth, right? Correct. Okay. That'll be the first, the first, uh, the All Country One Hundred and One show, and it's at four p.m. I believe. So basically, all anybody needs to do is go to wherever you get your apps, whatever app store it may be. And just look up Gimme Country. It actually started out, the first channel they put out was Gimme Metal. So there you go. Oh, well, cool. So there's, there's, Gimme, there's Gimme Metal, and then there's Gimme Country. And okay. uh, if you download the Gimme Country and, and open it up, you'll see two channels. There's Country One, and then there's Jesse Dayton Station. Um, and music is streaming on there 24 hours a day. But uh, at 4 o'clock on the 15th, uh, that show will premiere. And then I think it... It'll rebroadcast on Friday and Sunday, the following Friday and Sunday as well. That's so. cool. So, so just to be clear, this is streaming. It's it's not an on demand show. Like it's not not a podcast. You can't go say, "Hey, I want to listen to Kevin right now." You have to actually catch it as it streams. Yes. Right? Okay. As of right now, there's no way to listen to a show after the fact. Okay. Okay. So you have to catch it as they broadcast it, and that may change in the future. I'm still unclear on that if they're going to like kind of like start backlogging some of these shows because yeah. Jesse has his own weekly show um, and then uh, Chris Rhodes who plays bass with us in the Jesse band and, he, and I'm, I'm sure he's got more people coming um, to do kind of their own specialty shows as well because um, Jesse knows a lot of folks that probably have better radio voices than me so um, <laughs> there'll be all kinds of shows I'm sure because we go to country one there's just all kinds of special shows all the time. Sure. Uh, but Jesse station at this point is pretty much just streaming 24 hours a day. Some of his favorite music. And it's not just country. I mean, he's got clash songs in there and all kinds of other stuff. It's, it's definitely like all the stuff he loves, which is everything from classic country to punk rock to Cajun music. Cause he grew up in the Gulf coast. And, yeah. um, so there's a nice mix of stuff in there, but of course, it, you know, the main focus is country. So, well, and that, um, that cat's like a music encyclopedia too. You know, I mean, he he knows about everything. He can talk intelligently about every style of music. So I'm sure it's entertaining as hell. I'll tell you that he he, he knows more about movies. I was shocked being on the road with him. Are you kidding how me? How much he knows about movie? He's a movie buff in the biggest way, and he knows like who directed things, who who wrote it. Like he's. He is a walking encyclopedia on that stuff, probably more than even music, which wow. is kind of crazy. But he's he's starred in movies, but he also wrote and produced his own movie as well. So he is he is a he's a, a renaissance man, man like, isn't he? He's a renaissance man. He is. Wow, so, that's cool, man. And now he's now he's got his own radio station to add to the list. So yeah, well, he's got his own he's got his own book coming out soon so yeah man this guy's gonna be the next bezos isn't he (laughs) pretty soon i'm gonna give all my money to jesse dayton what the hell's going on here charney basically the book i think is going to be a lot of the story because he's played with so many legendary people sure um and i think you know and he always tells he's got a story to tell about anybody you can come up with you know and he would tell these stories if he's in an interview or when he's on stage at a show or you know wherever and I think somebody finally was like, man, let's just throw him some money to compile these stories <laughs> into a book. Oh, that's fantastic. So it's going to be kind of a book of, of Jesse Dayton's tales. So well, that's coming out soon, too, because, you know, COVID has given people more time to do stuff. I know I've, I've gotten to build some drums because I had a little more extra time. Man, you sent, me, hands, so. you sent me a picture of one that was gorgeous. I mean, it was just it was absolutely beautiful. Well, it was uh, that one was pretty cool because it was literally like I went into my my little shop and I was kind of like let me see what I let me take stock of what I have here and I just found like all these parts that I had laying around and, and created a snare drum from it like it literally had a piece of a shell that was from a 14 inch floor tom that I cut down to an 8 by 14 snare for somebody and I kept the 6 by 14 remnant and had been sitting up on a shelf for years I got, oh, I got this shell, and then I, I'd found these old, like, Japanese Sonor copy lugs that looked really cool, but I only had 12 of them, so it had to be a six-lug snare. Um, found the hoops. I found, like, all the pieces. I found a piece of wrap, 
So I just was like, I'm going to create this. This is my COVID project. Nice. I thought COVID was only going to be a month or two. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so uh-huh. I built that and, uh, and yeah, so it was pretty cool that it was like recycling too. Cause yeah. I just used parts that I had kind of laying around taking up space are now being put to use. So trying to be, you know, useful with the time that's, that's allotted. You know, it's a weird thing about COVID and drums. And I don't know if this is just me, but it, it's kind of got me in touch with because I can't play regularly like I had been. And, you know, we're all air drummers, right? Oh, I'm sure. not the only one who just air drums to everything when you're driving down the road and everything else. Um, so air drumming now to me has become like as fulfilling as it was when I was a teenager <laughs> and playing drums. Like when I'm air drumming, like I can feel it. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah. You know, it's just, it's, uh, I don't know. It's a weird thing. And I noticed the other day I was like doing some yard work and doing some air drumming. And I was like, oh, I'm getting like the jolt from this that I did when I was a teenager and just air drumming at school. And like, I can't wait to get home and play on my kit. Yeah. So that's, that's a cool byproduct, man. Honestly, it's an interesting byproduct. I'd still rather be actually playing drums. Sure. Well, yeah, but at least, you know, when you, when you start working on your air drumming dynamics, that's when you know, you, you know, that like, <laughs> like it's doing something for you. It's like, I, oh, man, I, I really played that section too hard. I should have lightened my touch up on <laughs> lighten it up. On, well, I'll say that I was never one of those guys that sat down and woodshedded. I could never do that. And I have so much respect for people that could, that would sit down like with a metronome and just play for an hour or two or just do page one of stick control or just do the rudiments. And like, I just can't like, I can only really sit and play drums when I'm with a group of people. That's how I grow as a drummer. Yeah. So, and, and and I thought it was just me until I read Stuart Copeland's book where he talked about mental drumming and that's exactly because I would just envision how a song is, how I would play it. And then by the time I sat down and actually physically played it, it was already like worked out in my brain. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's a weird approach, but after hearing him say, I'm like, that's that's exactly that's just, that's the word for it. That yeah. I never had until he said it. Mental drumming. You know, I never sat down and worked on songs like that out, outside of when I first started playing, and you know, when I was 12 and 13. Um, you know, I just I would just kind of think about it, envision what it would look like, and then by the time I sat down, it was kind of good to go. So. I think we're all guilty of that to a certain degree. You know, I mean, I know that's kind of how I work and, and I'm much like you. I like if I sit down at a drum kit and everybody's like, play something cool. I'm like, yeah, I, yeah I'm not your guy. You know, if you're, <laughs> I'll, I'll play something cool. Do, da, da. <laughs> right. I'm not going to I'm not going to sit down and do the Benny Greb thing. You know, I mean, I'm safe in saying that. Um, but, you know, People that can woodshed, you know, I, I envy that as well. But I like the fact that I can sit down and listen to a song as I'm, you know, visualizing in my brain how it's played. And you work out the sticking and, and what each section is going to be. I almost feel like after I listen to a song a couple of times, even if I've never heard it, I can probably sit down and get through it. It may not be perfect, right? but I can sit down and get through it and not train wreck anything. And, and I think that's cool. Yeah. No, it's, 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 it's a different because I've, I've met musicians too, that are a little more classically trained that like trying to do anything on the fly is an impossibility. Right. They, like they, yeah. It has to be charted out or they cannot do it. Yeah. Um, so I would rather be in the camp I'm at as, as much as, uh, you know, I am envious of some people that have chops like that and can do those kind of things. It's just not me. You know, I've always been more of a feel kind of player and, and more about my favorite drummers are just drummers that have a great pocket, not chopsy guys. Yeah. Like, you know, when Neil Peart died, everybody's like, oh, he must be really, I'm like, no, you know, I'm sad that he's gone, but I, I, I was not a, a Neil Peart neophyte. Like it, I didn't, all air drum to Tom Sawyer all day long, don't get me wrong, but I didn't sit down and break down every song that he ever did. Right. It just it's not my kind of playing. It doesn't do it for me. I'd rather sit and listen to Bunny Carlos yeah. and, and that's, break down what he's doing. And that's, what's cool about music, right? In general, you know, and I mean, I can, you know, boil it down to drumming, 
the the fact that we're not all everything. You know, I am not a Swiss army knife of drumming. Not everybody can play a guitar like Eddie Van Halen or Stevie Ray Vaughan. You, you know what I mean? Like oh, it's, it would be really boring. Yeah, it, it would. If everybody could do all the stuff, you know, we wouldn't have these genres of music or favorite artists or, or any of that stuff. So, I mean, I think it's good. And, you know, of course I was sad when Neil passed, but man, I, sure. I can't play through a rush song note for note. I, there's no, no. way. I mean, yeah, no, and it's, yeah, I recognize his impact and, and how important he was, but it's just not, you know, honestly, I was more sad when Frank Benali passed because yeah. I, I really liked the way he played, even though he didn't really get accolades for being a great drummer. I always thought he was super solid. And if you've ever listened to the very first EP Billy Idol put out, that was Frankie Benali. Oh, was it really? Okay. Frank Benali was the one who played on Money Money and Baby Talk and like some of these songs that I love and his drum sound and and the way he played was so good. So when when he passed away, I was actually a little like, oh, you know. Yeah. That's well, a, and he was a cool bummer. he was a cool dude too. I mean, he was very very kind and generous with his time. And you know, that's a big regret for me is I never got him on this show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like by by the time I was, hey, let, let's get him on the show. He was sick. You know, and and you know, so that's he was still going to do shows. He like was flying to Japan and doing Zeppelin tribute band shows. Yeah, when he was yeah. along. I just, so it, I, I, I didn't. Him. Yeah, I didn't want the interview to be so. Man, you know, tell me about your health. You, you know what I mean? It's like the, the sure. eight hundred pound elephant in the room that you can't not talk about. Um, right. So I, I, people will be like, "What's wrong with you? Why didn't you ask?" Yeah. So I'm sure he would love to anything to not talk about. Yeah. I get those emails too. How could you not ask? I mean, I get those, trust me. So, uh, but, but yeah, man, that, that was sad, but you know, your, your case in in point, you know, about charts and all that stuff, you know, if somebody throws a chart in front of my face, I'll be like, I'll have the shrimp lo mein, please. You know I mean? It it might as well be a, (laughs) might as well be a menu to me, you know? So I, I totally get what you're saying, but um, I, so I, what else besides the radio show? I mean, you know, are you, are you letting people commission you to build drums for them now? Or, I mean, is that not something you're really chasing? I, I mean, I always did. I, you know, I had, um, what I called phantom drum works has always kind of been my little on the side thing where, I, you know, I, people would pay me to honestly, the most, most of the work I ever got was cutting down drums. I was shocked at how many people wanted me to take a saw to their drums. <laughs> I just, I'm like, really? You want me to saw this down? Okay. Yeah. You know, and there's a couple of people I talked out of. I'm like, I, you know, you know, if, if, if something really bothers me that much, I'm be like, I need to really think about this. Yeah. You know, I feel like there's somebody had like an old Sonora kit that wanted to saw it. I was like, man, I don't want to, I don't want to be the guy responsible for sawing this thing. Um, but I've, yeah, I've rewraps and, you know, doing bearing edges and, and, and all that stuff is something that I've always kind of done when I was on the road a lot. It was a little more difficult to, because, you know, people would call me up to, to get something done. And I just be like, I'm, I'm going to be gone for the next three or four weeks. So that kind of made it tough, but, you know, I've, I certainly do that stuff. Actually, I have a project lined up to do an 18 inch kick drum. That's actually going to be a birthday present for my brother. Hopefully he doesn't listen to this podcast <laughs> um, <laughs> or the, you know, the cat's out of the bag, but yeah. So, you know, there's been drum work done. It's just, you know, it's rap. Rap is expensive. Yeah, man. I have, I have a 26 inch flailing kick drum that I cannot wait to finish. All I really need to do is get the wrap, but it's just so expensive. Well, I, um, so that's kind of holding up my projects right now. But I've I've tried to be doing some work while I have this time off. You know, yeah, keep in touch with the drums. Well, yeah. So I I, I totally get it, man. And um, you know, I I was just trying to sell some drums for you. But you know, I mean, if you do you, <laughs> if you don't want to sell any, that's fine too. So. Um, but no, I mean, I, I get it. I mean, if folks want to reach out to you, if they have repair projects and they want to send some work your way, you know, they may be in the, you know, the, the greater Atlanta area. What's the best way to get in touch with you? Uh, the best way would probably be at 
phantomdrumworks at gmail.com. Okay. They can, they can email me directly from there. Um, and I, I believe there still is, I haven't been to it in a long time cause I'm, I kind of got off of social media cause it's, I decided it was bad for your health. <laughs> um, but there is, there, there should be still a phantom Drumworks page on Facebook that will have pictures and like a menu of, uh, you know, the services and, and costs associated and all that stuff cool. on there too. So they, they can look through there and then contact through Gmail if, if they need to. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it comes up from time to time. It's not steady work, but every now and again, somebody calls me up and says, I need to saw this thing down. No, like, all I've, right. I've got a saw. saw. Yeah. Got the saw. Send it <laughs> I on mean, hey, that's, how, that's how I had that extra piece of, you know, shell to make a snare out of. So yeah, it works out. man, that's a good point. When somebody sends something to be sawed down, you're like, you, you don't want the scrap back. So I'm going <laughs> to. I'm going to make yeah, something I'll, out of it. So I pretty much hold on to anything. So I've yeah. had people that are like, I have this like box of parts of, you know, do you want, I'm like, I'll take, I'll pretty much take anything Yeah, because you know, you could strip stuff for parts and you just never know. So I've got tons of parts and, and I, you know, I have other pieces of shell that I've sawed off and it's like, you know, you never know. I'll set it aside and it could come in handy. And generally people don't want it. They don't want the yeah. extras. I always ask them, you know, if you want it, here it is. But generally, they're like, yeah, you know, they're only interested in what they're they were looking to get done. So, um, so yeah, there's benefits to it. Cool. Well, Make a nice little snare for free. Yeah, for sure, so. man. Well, we'll send some folks your way, and you know, I I, I want to say this out loud on the show. I know I've told you personally, but you know, um, the last time you were on the show, you know, we've known each other for a little while, and we've got you know, of course, Mister Touchton in common. You know, he's kind of a brother to oh, to both of us. Yeah, mm-hmm. look look out for that guy. He's bad news. He's always around. He is always around. Out um, there in the ether. Yeah, yeah, out there in the ether, baby. <laughs> um, you know, but you sent me a couple of the Soda Jerk CDs. You were like, hey, man, you know, I'll send you some CDs. Check them out. And, I, dude, I get CDs sent to me all the time, right? I was seriously. Um, and I appreciate it. And I listen to everything I get. I really do. The Soda Jerk CD is one that actually made it into the Apple Music account, you know, on my oh, phone. Very nice. Really, <laughs> really dig those two records, man. I mean, I really, really dig those records. So kudos. Well, yeah. I mean, it's I've always been proud of that band. It was kind of me and the singer are the ones who put it together back in 99. And um, that's where I started really learning about you know, before that, you know, I, I'd heard my dad's old country music. He loved his Johnny Cash and everything else. But, you know, like, I think most kids in that old country movement grew up listening to dad's country music. But then, you know, in your teenage years, you want to find your own thing. And I totally was into metal. And that was all I wanted to hear. And I didn't care about anything else. And then you get in your 20s and realize there's more to life than just that. And, you know, I started listening to some of that old Johnny Cash stuff and realizing like, well, some of this is way darker and heavier than black Sabbath is, Yeah, you know, maybe I should give this a listen. And then, then I found out you could put it all together. And that was what was so great about all countries. It was really just like, you're kind of mashing all this stuff together and it works. It fits. Um, so that, that was what the appeal was to me because I, I'll generally get bored if I listen to too much of the same thing all the time. So, what was great about all countries, it really had so many influences and so much kind of melted together that it kind of pushed all the right buttons. So that was, that was like the approach we took with that band. And, you know, every now and again might still get together and do things, but so it's, it's still kind of like out there, but yeah, we managed to put out a lot of records and do a lot of stuff without the help of, management or label or any of that stuff everything was <laughs> diy total right. total independent stuff so good stuff um, good stuff so folks if you haven't checked out soda jerk uh, tr- trust me on this L- look it up it's out there you know wherever you can find fine music um yeah, it's, it's on apple spotify all all that good stuff all, although i will say it's kind of annoying because doing this show you know we populate playlists from spotify so I immediately was like, oh, look up, make sure that 
Soda Jerk is still on there. And yeah, we have several records on there, but there's a record from another band called Soda Jerk that's just kind of lumped in there. And yeah. Frankly, pretty terrible. And <laughs> so if I, I, you know, one day I was working and I'm like, I'm just going to shuffle some Soda Jerk. Cause that's one thing about this band. I actually, it's the one band that I've been in that I really enjoy listening to. I'm like a fan of my own band. Um, I'm not ashamed to say it. I'll sit and listen to a Soda Jerk record because it, it's right up there with all the other all country records that I love so much. So I just put it on shuffle and every night, you know, every five or six songs would be this other band just kind of ruining my vibe. <laughs> I have to stop what I'm doing and go over there and skip it. And, uh, so I can't take credit for that record, but okay. well, you'll be able, you'll be able to see which you, records are the right ones. If you dig hard enough on the Spotify website, I, I ran into this as well, a band that I played in. Um, if you dig hard enough, there is a, you know, I, I claim this artist or, or I can't remember exactly what it is, but you can like say, don't mix That's this one. Yeah. yeah. Don't mix that one in with me. That's that might cause a problem. You can do that. So I, you know, I figured there had to be a way. I just haven't had the time to really figure it out yet, but I'm glad you told me that. So, so now I know I can, I could dig in a little harder and, and get that excised. Yeah, just to its own realm. Just sometime when you have a free, you know, six or seven hours, you'll be able to <laughs> you'll be able Start. to find it and get it taken Start care of. Digging in, yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, listen, Kev, man, as always, thank you so much for taking time to do this. Um, you know, I, we're going to send some folks your way for the radio show. I'm excited to hear it. You know, um, it's always great to hear a drummer's perspective on you know. D d not drums, but just music in general. And, you know, you and I talked about it. Drummers have a certain way that they want stuff to flow, you know, set lists and, you know, this, this has to all go together. So I'm, I'm really curious to see, you know, how you've done this and I'm really excited to hear it. And we're going to send some folks your way. So, but thanks for taking, I will say yeah, part of, part of, on that note, part of, what, hopefully, if, in, as long as things go well and the show continues pretty well, you know, interviews might become part of the show as well. And I, and I was really like, man, I want to interview like not the obvious person in a band. You know, I know a lot of the drummers from these bands, so I. Oh, you're going to squeeze like, in on me, huh? All right. Uh, well, you, you know, I'll send them your way when I'm done with them. Uh, but for instance, you know, like I, you know, I, I want to get Philip from the old ninety sevens come yeah. on and talk. Everybody wants to talk to Rhett Miller because he's the pretty face, yeah, at the front of the band. But I would be curious to get the drummer's perspective. You yeah. know, or I know the bass player from Whiskey Town. He played on Stranger's Almanac and, you know, something a little left of center of the obvious ones. So um, that hopefully can become a thing involved the show. It just, it all, all depends on how it goes. So, and I know we still owe you, speaking of Touchton, me, Touchton, and our buddy Davis, we, we still have to do that round table. <laughs> we, days. we really do. And believe it or not, it got real close before COVID. It got very close. It got yep. real scary close before COVID. And then... Another thing COVID just ruined. Yes. COVID screwed up quite possibly an hour of the most <laughs> gut-busting laughter ever heard in a podcast, I'm guessing. So... Um, probably, and it probably is a lot more than an hour. Yeah, yeah probably so. Knowing those folks, I'll, I'll, I'll have to make a mini series <laughs> out of it. You know, it might it might have to be an installment. Someday. Yeah, a yeah. special three night event on the drum <laughs> shuffle. <laughs> so, but uh, we'll start but, charging a uh, cover charge for that one. Yeah, man, I I'm I'm all for that. You know, we'll split it up. I probably won't get fifteen hundred dollars in tips, but uh, <laughs> somebody might pay us well, to stop talking. <laughs> To be to be absolutely fair, that guy's really pretty. So okay. that might have something to do with the tips too. Yeah, well, um, you know, that, not everybody has the face <laughs> of a singer, right? <laughs> some exactly. of some of us look like drummers. Sorry, <laughs> some of those troglodytes are holding down the beat in the back. Yeah, that's right. On that <laughs> note, brother, as always, man, thank you so much, and uh, we, we'll do this again real soon. Absolutely glad to be here and. Uh, Glad you're staying safe and uh, doing well. Yeah, you too, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Uh, we'll see you. All right, everybody, that's going to wrap up our special episode here. Um, I, I encourage everybody uh, tomorrow on Tuesday, September 15th, 
make sure you check out Kevin's show over at the Gimme Country app. Um, I think, as you can see, listening to us talk for the past hour, uh, how much Kevin loves music and he has some, you know, just great insights on the music industry. And I think this show uh, that he is doing uh, will become a part of my normal routine and hopefully part of your normal routine as well. Uh, as a huge fan of alt country music, uh, I can't wait to check it out tomorrow. So thanks for tuning in and listening to this. Um, you know, I, I thought this would be a good service to our friend Kevin, and I wanted to make you guys all hip to what he's got going on. It's going to be pretty cool. Hey, as is always the case, uh, I answer every single email that I get over here at the Drum Shuffle. Our email address is the Drum Shuffle Podcast at gmail.com. Our web address is the Drum And you can always find more information about me over at jamieeds.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. I sincerely appreciate it. Share a link with a friend. It helps us more than you'll ever know, and we appreciate that as well. So until next time, may your head stay strong and your sticks never break. Cheers, everybody. Cheers.